Clean contact. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. But the moment defines you. Hello and welcome to the Golf Practice Podcast. My name is Andy Hayes and with me is Peter Donahue, the godfather of golf <laughs> in the kingdom, <laughs> Chivas Irons, whatever nickname you would like for the day. Uh-huh. Um, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. This is a, this is a favorite topic of mine, a favorite book. Um, I'm glad we're getting into it. Golf in the Kingdom is our topic, and this is a book that was written in the 70s by Michael Murphy, and it's part fiction, but part based on things that actually happened to him when he went on a trip to Scotland. I read this book about maybe a year, year and a half ago, and it was, I enjoyed it, but I didn't quite get it because it's such a diff- interest like a different book than you're kind of used to reading it doesn't follow kind of the same structure or anything and so i think it's a book that you have to read twice mm-hmm. to, to actually be able to like go back in knowing what you're going to and then you can kind of see what it's about yeah and so that's what i did recently and then i thought it'd be interesting to to talk about i realized most people out there probably won't read a book twice these days so let's just talk about it and give them some of the <laughs> the, the highlights um but you you've told me in the past that like this book was one of the reasons you got into the golf business is that true yeah this was a this is a book that inspired me uh in the 70s i was in my mid to late 20s and you know i had been uh telling myself and telling people for some years at that point that i was going to become a golf teacher and because uh, uh, that's what i uh, I was intrigued with. I thought golf was a very interesting game, um, and uh, and one night uh, I was uh, I was managing this bar in in Palo Alto, and uh, there was a guy sitting at the bar uh, named his name was Rocco, and uh, Rocco said uh, to me, he said, "I've been I've been watching you." He said, "I've got a book for you. I know you'll you'll like it." And he gave me the book, and he was it. It inspired me. Uh, you know, I, the the image of Chivas Irons, the the notion that this is what golf uh, could be, which was what I had suspected in my ignorance. And, uh, and uh, uh, so I went off and decided to um, you know start it, start my career. What do you mean that like you quote this is what golf can be? Well, um, you know, golf can be um, as they uh, golf can be whatever you want it to be. You know, it starts off as a as a pretty simple game. It's just about shooting a low number, um, and it's just about hitting a ball from here to there. But uh, once you uh, you are captivated by that uh, that quest. Uh, to to get better, to improve yourself, uh, you find that there's way more to it. Um, you know, as uh, as our hero says, it's slow enough to concentrate the mind, and complex enough to require our many parts. And uh, 
And I think everybody who really plays and gets into the game realizes that there's, um, you know, there's a lot more at work than just simply what you want. And, uh, and then, you know, Hey, I'm going to go get it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So the, we're, we're focusing mainly on one chapter in the book. The book's about, it's about written by Michael Murphy, but it's about a character named Michael Murphy and he goes to Scotland and he plays this round of golf and he meets Chivas Irons, who's this mystical golf teacher, and some strange things happen on the course. And then after the round, they, he invites them to his friend's house. And they go, it's this big group of people sitting around a big table, and they share kind of their, he, he says, let us all, let us drink a toast to all theories round. Let us sing the praises of, of golf. They spell it G-O-W-F, probably for the, the Scottish accent. How do, you say, how do you say that word? Golf, golf. <laughs> I can't. Do yeah, it. golf, golf, golf. Okay, so we'll pronounce it like that. Um, and so we're going to. So the the way the chapter kind of sets up is each person there has kind of their own theories about what golf is or what golf could be, and so we'll spend some time talking about each one. And so first today is, you know, the the owner of the house. His name's Peter, Peter McNaughton. M- Peter McNaughton. Okay. Well, Pete would. Since you have the same name, would you be <laughs> yeah. interested in reading that this uh, starting at the you know the like that golf is an X-ray of the soul? McNaughton says I've learned one thing about the game. If I've learned one thing about the game, it is that tis many things to many people, including the many ones in my very own head. He tapped his temple. We've certainly seen them come and go through burning bush. Tall ones, short ones, scratch players and duffers from the end of the world. Intellectual sorts and working men. Pleasant temperaments and mean ones. For each has his peculiar understanding, his peculiar theory, his peculiar view of the world, his peculiar swing, God knows. Get them here on the links and all their parts fall out. He smiled sadly again and shook his head. Goff is a way of making a man naked. I would say that nowhere does a man go so naked as he does before a discerning eye dressed for golf. You talk about your body language, Julian, your style of projecting, projection, your rationalizations, your excuses, lies, cheating rounds, incredible stories, failures of character. Why, there's no other place to match it. Take old Judge Hobbs. My God, the lies he told last week about that round of his in the tournament is enough to make you wonder about our courts of law. So I ask you first, why does golf bring out so much in a man, so many sides of his personality? Why is the game such an x-ray of the soul? Well, do you have any, do you have the answer to that? Why is golf such an x-ray of, of the, the soul. soul. Yeah. Well, uh, or in what ways is it? Well, I think that, uh, you know, you have, uh, you're endeavoring, you know, you, you want something, um, and your, your talent and your ability to get what you want is on display because you're towing the line over and over again. You're towing the line on the first tee, you're, out in the fairway, and uh, every time you step up, there is desire, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then there 
are your fears about those desires? Uh, you or um, and and then all of your excuses that, that you you <laughs> yeah. might make. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's uh, it just. Uh, I think it's as simple as he said. There's just all of your vulnerabilities, all of your courage uh, is on display for everyone to see. Yeah. I think I like how you had it had to do with desire because there's all, always things that people are desiring in life, whether it's like to get a job or to graduate school or maybe in their job they have like some accomplishment they want to achieve. But those those things take like a very long time, like years to accomplish. And so you can't quite it's hard to kind of summarize very quickly, like how they're going about that, you know, business of accomplishing their goals. But in golf, it happens, you know, every 15 minutes, you start over and do it again, you know, or every day you start over and do it again. And so you can learn a lot about, yeah, learn a lot about yourself and learn a lot about, I guess, other people as well. Um, How about, how has golf like, changed for you or or how has how has the x-ray readout changed for you well uh uh you know very early on i would say i would say that it's evolved it's matured it's um uh, very early on i was just uh uh desires of being good uh of being great of being special um and uh and i wasn't <laughs> I just wasn't in the game. There were my friends were better than me. Uh, Andy North, when we were kids, was better than me, and uh, and I, uh, I I would say I frustrated myself uh, in the way that I uh, played the game, and I couldn't explain it, and I would get angry and sad, and um, and that went on for a long time. Uh, and and as I as I got into my um, 30s, I would say that I was still you know somebody who was very much I think uh, a Peter Pan kind of you know wishing guy, hoping to still uh, capture greatness as a golf performer. And um, and then I slowly, as I reached uh, 40, I slowly started to. Um, to see that there wasn't a one right way, that there was a way, there were different ways of looking at things that were valuable, like um, looking at things from the standpoint of, of uh, performing and then of learning. Uh, different ways of, you know, thinking about the swing or thinking about um, and visualizing what you wanted to have happen, and let your mechanics just flow out of that. So, so I, it was a, it was the recognition, I think, that there was uh, different perspectives uh, that one could take uh, in order to um, in order to learn. Uh, I think, and that's what I, I I my I would say enjoyment was a. Um, I figured enjoyment would come out of learning and performing. I didn't. Uh, I didn't go to the golf course with a mindset to enjoy myself. I was out there to compete and to learn. Uh, but gradually, I started to to. Um, I started to see uh, that 
um, expanding your awareness um, to your playing partners was, uh, was a key because I was very much in my own head when I played golf all the time. And so I started to take a camera out onto the golf course, and I, I'd started to take pictures of the course and of the people that I was playing with. And, uh, and so I, I started to, to do things with those pictures. For a long time, I didn't do anything with them. I just put them in a shoebox. And, uh, and then I started doing things with them, giving them to people as gifts. And, you know, I started to become a more thoughtful, less self, selfish uh, person. And, um, and the energy that I started to bring to the golf course was more generous to myself uh, at the same time because um, my Uncle Joe you, used the phrase uh, all the time, uh, uh, let me know how that's working for you. Uh, <laughs> or, Pete, how's that working for you, thinking like that? And so I started to, to think about that simple, simple question and uh, started to see that certain ways of being and certain ways of thinking weren't working for me. They weren't serving me. And so I thought, well, that, that's illogical. You know, it doesn't, you know, why would you persist in doing that? if you have any power to change it. And so, so I started to pointedly change. For people who maybe are a bit younger than you, like where do you see them like get stuck? Or like what, what ways would you kind of be like, hey, there's actually this way of looking at it? Well, I think, you know, I would say right away, um, you know, I'm working with some boys now down at uh, Canal Shores that that uh, it's a we're calling it the Evanston Township High School uh, um, Boys Intramural Golf Club, and they were cut from the JV team. And the coaches reached out to us as the golf practice and said, "Hey, these, these guys are interested. Is there anything you can do to you know help them continue and, and help them evolve?" And so. So uh, we're, you know, in our second week of that right now, and uh, a number of the boys, it's obvious that they, that their way of, of playing is limiting them, and by specifically that uh, every single shot they hit, uh, they try to hit it as hard as they can. And so what they're trying to do is make a game out of hitting the ball as hard as they can hit it. And, and, um, and they're not that it's not working out for them. <laughs> the other day, at Canal Shores, I imagine. The other day, I asked this I, this one one young man. He he was up on the 140 yard hole, and uh, he pulled out a club and he chunked it and he hit it about 50 yards. And uh, I asked him, you know, what he was hitting, and he said he hit a sand. He was hitting a sandwich. Well, I think that is the curse. <laughs> 140 the, yeah. is the curse of young men. Mm. And then he got up uh, to hit his, his next shot at the green, and he had a sandwich again, and he hit it 50 yards over the green. <laughs> I asked him when the, when the session was ending and we were recapping, I said, uh, can you hit an 8-iron uh, 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 and reach that green? And he said, no, <laughs> I'd hit it way over. <laughs> And no. that that actually says it all, doesn't it? I mean, in in the one hand, he was being he was proud of the fact that he did it over, and I don't think he has any recognition of what he said. You know, no, <laughs> sure. I, I I'd hit it over the green because I can't I can't hit more 
I can't, can't imagine. vary my speed. I can't hit the club in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my task now is to uh, help him open up his vision to that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's crazy how... I don't know. I'm just thinking... I played um, Evanston Golf Club this last Sunday for the first time. And I've been working on kind of my driver lately. Like, all summer, it's been like, you know, feast or famine with, like, how either it's good or it's bad. And I have, like, working with... I go through, like, Gankus's online thing so I can, like, submit my swings and his people will, like, tell me what, like, what to do different. And so I'm at the point where I know like what happens like my back knee especially with the longer clubs like kicks in towards the target which makes my shoulders tip back which gets the club stuck kind of under the plane and just like a block way to the right and um i knew like and so so, most times i like get really frustrated with it because it's like this is a problem i like can't kick even if i know even though i know what's going on i know i need what i need to do and i know how to practice it and i can do it on the range but then i can't kick it on the course and usually like i'll play and get like frustrated like on the course like why can't i get this like i literally my irons i play with you know like five or six clubs and but still like can hit every you know whatever any iron shot like the most the craziest iron shots people would think of um i can hit them and so it's like I can do th- some things that are very hard, like very well. But then the one thing that to me seems like it should be really easy, it's like really been really hard to do. So that's kind of a frustrating, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, thing to be. Um, but when I get to the course and I just knew I like went to the range for a little bit and I just knew like I wasn't going to have the driver today. Like it wasn't going to be, you know, in the slot or whatever today. And And instead of getting frustrated for whatever reason, I was just I was OK with it. For whatever, you know, I don't know why. First hole, I hit one that left rough. It was a fine shot. Made par. Second hole, went to the way to the right. It's almost on the driving range, but it wasn't. And I made it. But I hit, like, this incredible five iron. Somehow got up to the green and made par. And then I went birdie, 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 eagle. And it was five under through seven. But on those four holes, I only hit one fairway. So I... You know, I've done, I've never been that many under par before at that early in a round. But if I had, you know, earlier in my life or last year or something, I would have like be this big thing of like, man, I got to protect, you know, can I keep it? Can I get in? Like it'd be this big pressure. But this time I just like, I knew that I didn't really have control of my ball. And I was like, I was like happy at like the gift that, that I was given, I guess. And I, play you know i i I finished around at even par so i didn't keep you know obviously but i knew that i wasn't you know i I don't know the best way to put it because i'm still kind of like processing it but i i was able to just accept that like oh this is going to be the game today and i like really had a lot of fun playing it (laughs) even though i knew it's like i knew when i got to five under i knew it wasn't really a score that i was going to keep for the whole day Mm. and i was like completely okay with that Mm. whereas before i would have been you know, you, you have that defense in that guard, and like, oh, I better finish this, or, like, people are going to know that I, you know, I blew it or something. I but joked. It, but it, yeah, but it wasn't that at all. So. That's cool. I mean, that's very cool. That that's uh, Because, you know, you're, you're really talking uh, about, um, I think, about what McNaughton talks about in here, which is his many selves that are inside of his, his own head. And, uh, and those many selves are 
our persistent beliefs that we carry around with us that create our lives. And, and very often those are invisible to us. They're voices that, we're, that are going on in our heads that we, we're only vaguely aware of how they're moving us. But it's really true, and you really come because golf is is there's so many quiet moments. You 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 end up hearing them, and uh, and that fearful voice that says, you know, oh my gosh, you know, how long can I prosper like this? Um, what will it mean when I fall off, you know, the surfboard? Right? You know, I can't yeah. ride the wave anymore, uh, and uh, and that 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 tortures us and we su- we start suffering out on the course as as they've discussed in this in their their evening together that you know it's a it's a Rorschach blot this uh uh golf and mm-hmm. golf course and and it can change you know and the drop of a hat why would somebody get sad and fearful after they've just lit the course on fire and yet you you know you had a way of of uh of coming in and mitigating, you know, that possibility because you had a mature uh, perspective, you know, about it that, yes, you might, you might just continue, but to make birdies and eagles and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, you're wilder than a March hare or, you know, (laughs) that, that, you know, the the probability of that happening and you didn't, you didn't let it ruin uh, your experience, which uh, I think is like, wildly mature and uh, almost unheard of in the circles I travel in. But there's, for some reason, there's always there's always, like, the belief that you can, like, achieve greatness or, like, perfection in golf. Or, like, for me, it's like there's the belief that I'll hit 14 of 14 fairways all with 300-yard drives, and, like, that will be golf. Then I will have, like, completed golf or something but but that's such a lie and it's not even anything that that anyone has ever done you know it never happened you know it never happens and so um i don't know i think that's just a new way of of like managing expect not necessarily managing expectations but of just like dealing with reality yeah you know so often people think that they just like expect that things will be a lot better than than they are well, you know, they're chasing their ideal. And, um, you know, this uh, the, the, they talk about in, in Golf in the Kingdom, there's a platonic, um, you know, view of perfection, um, you know, of the, the intellect and the, uh, and the body together. And it's a, it, you know, it's all about uh, intellectual control. And, uh, of course, the doctor, the good doctor, Jul- Julian Lang, uh, is is more of a proponent of Dionysian or or dark the dark mysterious mm. side and the the ecstatic part of our being and uh, um, but I think that we we chase that ideal I, I mean I we've talked about this before I I mean I used to have recurring dreams about uh, playing this super hard golf course that required your heroic shots on every single shot in the game and I was always excited in in my sleep I could feel it about <laughs> the chance to go play this golf course and I of course I never 
I never even finished it, I don't think. You know, I mean, <laughs> sure. I always crashed and burned yeah. uh, earlier than that, but I never, it never uh, stopped me from, from being excited at the chance to go out and, and take on this test. And so, uh, but I think that, the, you know, that, that idea that if we could go out and shoot 54, um, you know, uh, Hogan's dream and vision 54 you know the swedish national team uh their dream um uh is um is at a certain level of consciousness it's it just doesn't have much meaning but at a higher level of consciousness uh it does because it's uh it means that we have evolved to a higher level of mm-hmm. of of being and that uh uh that our motivation for doing things is changed. Hmm. You know, we're now we're, 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 we've shed the, the chains of our, um, that, that have shackled us and limited us. And now we're, you know, we've learned to fly. Yeah. Cool. Well, Pete, maybe let's wrap up this one here. And then we'll talk about like, the politics. I hit it again. Yeah, that sounds great. Because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment.